Well, good morning. It's great to see you. You doing okay today? Man, after that worship set, y'all should be like standing on your chairs. Like, yeah, Jesus is alive. Y'all are way too tame. All right, well, it's so good to see you. Uh, and I am uh, Justin Wyatt. I am the pastor of worship and missions. And that's my plug for them. Didn't they just do a great job leading? I'm so thankful for, for that. And, and not just up here, but up there in the booth, uh, they're just uh, doing an amazing job uh, making it. Uh, they, we, 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 we joke that they have just buttons that are magic buttons that like, we don't make it sound great. Press that button. All right, it's done. Uh, but we're so thankful you're here. Um, James Ross, our lead pastor, uh, is not here today. He is uh, preaching at Sunrise City Church in Fort Walton Beach. Some of you are familiar with that church. It's a sister church in our network. And we have prayed for that church and we have supported that church in years past, um, even just a year and a half ago, uh, they were at a point as a church plant where they uh, had more people than they had funds and needed to hire someone to uh, be a part-time role in their kids' ministry, and our church was able to help with that, uh, to support them. Because our desire, we say this every week, our desire as a church is not to grow a church, but to build the kingdom, right? And so we, we love it when God uses us, uh, works through us as a church to, to bless uh, others, to, to build the kingdom. So he's not here, I'm here. So if you're new, I want to go ahead and invite you back next week to see the regular guy. And while you're doing that, uh, you can text the word CONNECT to the number on the screen. We would love to meet you. Someone from our staff team will follow up with you this week if you would uh, just do the privilege of, of doing that. Before we begin, I want to just uh, continue in this, this vein of prayer that we, we prayed for this last week, and I just feel compelled that we need to start our time this morning in the word doing this. Uh, last week, we prayed for India, and many of you who are part of our church are aware that we have... Um, several pastors and leaders that we support as church planters and missionaries who are, uh, they live uh, in Mumbai and they go out into unreached areas and they're sharing the gospel and planting churches with people who've never heard the name Jesus. Uh, and they're amazing uh, men and women uh, in these churches and leaders. And uh, you may have uh, seen in the news how Corona virus and COVID-19 has really uh, spiked a second time there and it's been devastating. Um, Every day, like yesterday, there were 3,500 people who were reported uh, who passed away from COVID-19, and most experts are saying that that's probably a, less than half of the actual number, um, and that's just from COVID-19, and if we do the math and uh, realize how much of this country is unreached uh, with the gospel, um, it's a lot of people facing a Christless eternity. And I'm thankful as a church that we are giving and praying and going when, when God allows and supporting uh, this work. So I just want us to take a moment and just plead before God from the path. Lord God, you're so faithful. You're so good. And we sing gathered here in comfort of your goodness. And we know it's true. And we know it's real. But it's no different. Your goodness is no different across the world in different circumstances. And so we pray uh, today, Lord, that your mercy would be upon um, India, uh, for the, the pastors and leaders, for the believers who are, um, are sharing the gospel, who are doing what we're going to be talking about today, who are, who are sharing their lives and sacrificing so much to see your kingdom come and your will be done, God, that you will uh, continue to heal, continue to um, show yourself faithful, 
that you will provide, even as they are in another round of, sh- of lockdowns and shutdowns, and how this just greatly impacts uh, so many uh, in their access to, to income and food, Lord. Um, we just pray, uh, God, that your grace will be sufficient, that you and all this will uh, use it for your glory and bring many people to salvation. And God, um, it's, we just pray that uh, as a church, we'll be faithful to, to, to give and to go. And we uh, thank you for allowing us. It is a privilege, privilege for us to be a part of what you're doing in this community and around the world. And so Jesus, help us not lose sight of that. We pray this in your name, amen. Well, this morning we are continuing in our series, He Greater Than I, uh, in the book of Mark. So I would invite you to go ahead and open up to Mark chapter one. Uh, We love to go through books of the Bible here at Church on Bayshore, and we just believe that that God grows us, he instructs us in his word, He, he, he molds us, he shapes us, And so I would love to invite you to open up to Mark chapter 1 as we continue in this chapter. And really, the whole message of of the gospel is that it's rooted in this, that he, Jesus Christ, truly is greater. He truly is worthy. He's greater than you. He's greater than me. And Mark chapter 1 is all about that, recognizing his authority and submitting to his authority. So this morning, as we talk about Mark chapter one, we're gonna be looking at verses 16 and 20. We see this story. Jesus gives an invitation to some men who are fishermen. And it's this invitation to do this, to be a traitor. Not a traitor, but a traitor. And we all like trades, right? And typically when we're making trades, we're trying to get what we want in exchange for something we have. We want to get something better. You know, my, my boys are really into football cards right now and they're constantly trading football cards. And I can hear it in their room. They're like, I'll give you this guy if you give, and this is a rookie. And they're trying to make, this is a rookie. He's really good. He had a good, and they're trying to sell it, right? Because they want what they got and I'm going to do whatever it takes to get what I want. You know, this is the same principle at school lunches, right? You remember, you used to do this at school lunches? Hey, these green beans are so amazing today. Little extra butter in it. You want to trade for your cookie? No, I don't want. Oh, how about cookie and I'll do your homework? Okay, deal, right? The, the deal, you're trying to always be the one of like, get what you want. Get what you want by making a good trade. Well, Jesus in this passage offers a trade for these fishermen. But here's the thing, when Jesus offers a trade, it's always for our good. We can rest assured in in this trade. It's not like going to sell a car and you're trying to trade in your car and you're like, are they trying to lowball me here? Jesus is never trying to lowball you. Jesus is never trying to get the best out of you, like get the best, you know, I got you, hoodwink, you know. Jesus wants what's best for her, us. And so in this trade, he is offering us what is best. Jesus invites us to be traitors. Let's look at Mark chapter 1, 16 through 20 as we continue says this, passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately, you can underline that word, and immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat, mending the nets. And, here's the word again, immediately, 
He called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. So you'll see this story in the other gospels as well. In Luke, Luke actually gives us a little bit more detail in Luke chapter five. In this, in this scene, we see that they've been fishing and they haven't caught anything and Jesus is teaching and he asks to use your boat and then he tells the disciples, hey, you haven't caught anything, why don't you try the other side? Cast out a little bit deeper. And Peter's like, master, we've tried that, but uh, it's not working, I'm telling you, right? And they do it and they catch a lot of fish. It's overwhelming. It starts to you know, tip their boat, sink their boat. And Peter's response in this, it's in Luke chapter 5, is that he falls down and he says, I am not worthy. I'm not clean. His response was, that, oh, Jesus, you're amazing. Can you show us where the rest of the fish are? His response is, I will follow you because you are obviously who you are calling us to be. Or you, you are who you say you are. The call to follow Jesus is this. It's a call to be a traitor. It's a call to be a trader, and this is the trade, to trade something incredibly small, living for our glory, for something infinitely big, his glory. It wasn't that what they were doing was insignificant. It wasn't that being a fisherman was insignificant. It was that Jesus had a more significant purpose for them. To be a trader is this, is to trade something incredibly small, living for our dream, living for our plan, living for our desire, living for what we think our best life will be and saying, Jesus, I'm submitting that to you and I'm trading a small dream and a small plan for a big dream and a big plan. And that big dream isn't like, I just wanna do something great. That big dream is God, you are full of glory and I want to follow you because you're worth it. That's the trade. You down with that church? Thank you. All right. I, I need that. If you don't, I'll just talk forever and you'll never go home. So talk back to me. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Feeling it. But that's the call to be a trader is to trade something so small for something so big. I mean, think about your plans for your life. I mean, I have great plans for my life, but do you know who has better plans for my life? My father. You have great dreams for your life. You know who has better dreams for you? Your father, who's perfect in every way. And Jesus says, follow me, trade the small for the big. We definitely get the better end of this deal. So Jesus says, follow me. So what does that mean? What does it mean to follow him? And if you were to ask people who are not believers in Christ, Based upon your opinion and what you perceive of Christians, what do you think it means to follow Jesus? What do you think they would say? If you were to ask someone who doesn't follow Christ based upon their perception of Christians, based upon them watching you, based upon what they see at the church, what does it mean to follow Jesus? What do you think they would say? I think most answers would be something like, well, I mean, to follow Jesus, I guess, means like you, you kind of do what he says, maybe. You're, you're a nice person. You're moral. You have good character. You, uh, you know, probably go to church some. Uh, you do those things. So now let's ask Christians. If you were to ask Christians, what does it mean to follow Jesus? Now, apart from the life group Sunday school answer, it means to give your life to him. Like, what, is, what does it mean to follow Jesus based on the evidence of your life? I think, sadly, we would probably get some very similar responses. Well, it means that, like, we're, we make good choices. We're nice. You know, we, like, try to do the right thing. We come to church, give a little bit. 
But following Jesus is so much more than this. It's so much more than having a safety net. It's so much more than what we think it is. And so as we look at what it means to follow Jesus, it's so important that we come to the word, not with our own ideas and our own preconceived notions of what it means to follow Jesus, that we come to the word and we say, what does it actually look like to follow Jesus, to say, Jesus, I'm gonna follow you, I'm gonna commit to you, I'm gonna run with you, I'm gonna go with you, you are Lord, and I submit to you. What does it look like? For Christians, it means we will be marked and we will be different. Jesus says this, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. So, as we look at this passage, we're gonna talk this morning about what it means to follow him and what it means to be fishers of men. So I like, I think it's a helpful tool. I learned this a long time ago. It's very helpful in Bible study and I just encourage you to do this. As you're studying a passage, ask questions. Ask questions and ask questions. And, and let God reveal the truth to you. And I, I like to ask the who, what, when, where, why, and how of, of Scripture because you know, it's there. So that's why I'm gonna frame this for us this morning. So in this passage, Mark chapter one, what is the call. The call is simple, follow me. The call is simple, it is follow me. And this is connected to what we talked about last week. Jesus says, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe. And so now Jesus has proclaimed that and he's inviting people to join in that confession. So now he said, repent and believe, the kingdom of God is here. And he's inviting them to go and preach the message, the kingdom of God is here. Repent and believe. For God's purpose is this. God's purpose is to bring people to himself from every nation, every tribe, every tongue so that we would know him, delight in him, exalt him forever. The kingdom of God is at hand. And so to follow means literally to, to follow. Like the Greek definition is to follow, all right? There's like no hidden meaning to that word. It means to follow, it means to imitate, to come alongside, to come behind and do as we see Jesus doing. So if that is the message, then we need to look and see in scripture, what is it that we see Jesus doing? We are called to follow him and to imitate that. In this time, in Jewish culture, the men, when they came to a certain age, would seek out a rabbi to study under. And they would actually say, who, do, who is it that I want to study under? Who do I want to be like? The beautiful thing in this passage is this, is that Jesus actually comes to them and says, follow me. Let me be your rabbi. Let me teach you. And that's his call to us. He's saying, follow me, become like me. Do as I do. Jesus says this himself in John chapter 5, 19. He says, I, the son, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord. I can only do what I see my father doing. Whatever the father does, the son does likewise. So if Jesus says, I've got to look to the father, how much more do we need to, right? Luke 9, 23 through 24 says this, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. Deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. For only, excuse me, he, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. That word save, another way to understand it is really preserve or protect. Whoever wants to preserve their life, whoever wants to protect their life, whoever wants to protect their plans and protect their dreams, protect their pursuit of what they think a good life is, will lose it. But if you lose it, you will find your life in him. And here's, I think this, living in the Western world and living in 
united in the United States and living in the panhandle and living in Okaloosa County, specifically in the south end of Okaloosa County, living in Niceville. We have a lot of people, non-Christians and professing Christians, who I believe are just trying to live their best life trying to live their best life, the best version of what they think life should be like, or at the very least, they're just trying to hold on to life and not truly following Jesus, seeking him first, seeking his kingdom, seeking his will. Here's the thing is that when he gives us this call to follow him, we can trust this, that it is good. It is good. And who wants what's best for us more than our father? No one. So the call is this, what is the call? It's to follow him. And what is the result? We become fishers of men. This is what verse 17 says, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. Now I have to be really honest, growing up, this passage did not like really excite me because I just thought fishing is boring, and my dad loved to fish. My younger brother, like, if he, his dream is to, like, have his own fishing show one day. Like, I, it's not that it wasn't in my family. It's, here's the thing. You had to sit still and be quiet. <laughs> didn't do well. And, and so I used to do this, like, oh, I don't really want to, that's just kind of weird. But here's the thing. When Jesus says, I will make you fishers of men, he's saying, I'm going to make you into this. You will become fishers of men. In studying scripture too, it's really helpful to say, this is what it says and here's what it doesn't say. Jesus does not say, follow me and you're gonna be awesome. Follow me and you're gonna be successful. Follow me and I'm gonna make your wildest dreams come true. Jesus doesn't say that. Jesus says, follow me, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. And at that point, the disciples, like Peter, Simon, or excuse me, Peter, he is Simon, Andrew, James and John, they had no clue what was ahead of them. Did they? Like the rest of the Bible hadn't been written. Jesus, the word was in front of them, like literally. They had no clue. They thought he was coming to deliver them from oppression, to be the Messiah, to deliver the Jewish people from oppressive rule. And he came to do much more than that, to deliver them from oppression of sin and death forever. And they had no clue what was in store for them. And he didn't come and say, follow me. Hey, and we're gonna rise up and we're gonna overtake. He didn't say, come after me and I'm gonna make you better fishermen. He didn't say, come after me. I'm gonna make you an awesome dad. I'm gonna make you an awesome mom. You're gonna be employee of the month. You're gonna get a raise. You're gonna prosper. You get a car, you get a car. Jesus didn't do that. He did not do that. He said, come after me, follow me. So are we following him? Are we following him? Are we imitating him? Are we coming after him? Are our eyes locked on him? And are we following him? That's the question we've got to ask. The result is that we become fishers of men. So if Jesus says, follow me, and the result is that we will become fishers of men, then we do have to stop here and ask this question. We've got to be honest when we come to the word. So if Jesus says, follow me, I will make you become fishers of men. I've got to ask this of myself. You've got to ask this of yourself. If that is evidence of following him, like Jesus is making us fishers of men, is there evidence in your life that fruit of being fishers of men. If you're professing Jesus as Lord and following him, is there fruit of being a fisher of men? I can't answer that for you. 
And I pray that the Spirit will search our hearts, reveal what's there, and that he will lead us to follow him in that way. So the next question is, where? All right, Jesus, the call is to follow you. You're gonna make us fishermen. Where are we going? Where are we going? And here's Jesus' answer to that. Follow me. Where are we going, Jesus? Follow me. Let's just be honest. We as a culture do not do well with this. Like I'm about as laid back as they come. And even I'm like, okay, well, give it, can you give me a hint? Right? Give me a hint. Something. We don't do well with this, right? My, my little ones, my four-year-old and five-year-old will sometimes come to me and be like, hey, daddy, close your eyes. Open your mouth. I have a surprise. I'm like, no, no way. <laughs> I don't know where those hands have been. You're so dirty. Right? We don't like surprises. And Jesus is saying, you want to know where we're going? Guess what? I'm the way. I'm the way. You want to know? I'm the way. But where? Follow me. But where? No, Jesus, maybe. But where? If I didn't do it. Follow me. Follow me. John 14, 5, 14, 5 and 6, Thomas says. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Where are we going, Jesus? Where are we going? Where are we going? Follow me. Where are we going? Is it over there? Follow me. Is it over there? Follow me. Matthew 28, he says this. He gives this commission right before he ascends to heaven. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Our kids and our students are memorizing this, and many adults, many of you have this memorized. He says this, go therefore, and the real translation is, as you go, as you go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Don't you love that? Jesus didn't say, go, get up, go, get it. That's all you've done. He says, I am with you always. So church, here's the question for us this morning. Like, how would our lives look differently? How would our lives look different if we truly believe that the sovereign God of the universe is with us? Like, do you believe the sovereign God who created all things, do you, do you believe he is with you that he will never leave you, that he will never forsake you. He is with you. And he says, go, where? Go, I am with you because I'm the way. I am the way. In fact, if you read in Acts, the followers of Jesus actually became known as the way. That's what they were referred to. What are they, they, they didn't even call Christians, like they were called the way because they were just following the way, Jesus. So how would our lives look differently if we believe Jesus is the way and we believe that he is always with us, that he has empowered us to go? Well, you may be asking, well, okay, I get it. Follow Jesus. That's pretty simple, Justin. You've, you've kind of insulted me because I see that in the text. But how do I know? How do I know that I know that I know where he's going? Like, how do I know God's will for my life? You ever ask that question? you are being so dishonest. You ever asked that question? Yeah, we're like, what's God's will for my life? I wanna know, I don't wanna miss his will. Well, here's the thing. You, if you're following him, you can't miss his will. Paul writes this in Romans 12, one through two. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. 
Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is the good and acceptable, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. So we see in verse one that knowing God's will, where he's going, flows from this posture of humility and submission to him. It flows from this posture of humility and submission to him. It's in response to his mercies. He's been so merciful to us, right? Like we, scripture teaches that you and I, we are dead in our sin. We have no power in ourselves to raise us up from the dead. We have no power in us to forgive our own sin. We can't right our wrongs, but Jesus Christ came, lived, died, and rose again to pay the price for us. And that is God's mercy. So in light of God's mercy, offer your lives as living sacrifice in response to him. And when we submit our lives to God, when we submit our lives to God and ask him to lead us, he shows us the way. When we submit our lives to God and say, Lord, lead me, he shows us the way. Like some of you, like, has God ever called you to do something you never thought you would do? Yeah. If you're following him, he's going to. But that's the beautiful thing, that he's the one calling, and if he's the one calling, then he's the one empowering, and he's the one leading, and he's the one who's giving strength, and he's the one who's giving mercy to do it. And when we submit our lives, and Paul says that, he says, don't be conformed to the world, be transformed by what? Verse two, it says this, Romans 12, two. You can let's be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Renew your mind in this truth. Know the word, soak in the word, be in the word, renew him, renew your mind in this, renew yourself in him by the power of God, and you will know his will. So where? Where are you going? Where he leads. How are you gonna know? He's the way. Simple, right? Dismissed. Just kidding. Got a few more points. All right. (laughs) But we submit ourselves to him, and he will show us the way. And for believers, this is, I think a lot of times we wonder, like, well, does that mean I'm supposed to, like, just leave everything? Like, that seems irresponsible. Just leave everything and go? Well, I don't know. Maybe. But here's the thing. You are where you are, and God may call you somewhere else, but start where you are. This is not an either or. It's not, is this a local thing or a global thing? This is a both and. For all Christians, this is a both and. We spent our entire uh, first quarter of the year from January until just a few weeks ago talking about living sent, being on mission. And we talked about what it looks like to, as people of God, to look around and see all the opportunities around us and to ask God to show us and to meet those needs and to share the gospel, to be involved in people's lives and to bring people to know him and show him how great he is. And so this morning, I just wanna also add to that a little global perspective because I think um, we can think this is just about us here, but also recognizing that as the church, he's called us to make a difference in the nations. His kingdom come, his will be done. And so Romans 10, Paul writes this. He said, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one who they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one who they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who could bring good news. And so we are called to share the gospel, all Christians 
as we go, called to share the gospel. Here, there, all over. So when we talk about global missions, we talk in terms of reached and unreached. And right now, there are three billion people who we would classify as unreached. And when I unreached, I do not mean that they've, uh, you know, heard the gospel and not received the gospel. What I mean is they've not heard the gospel. And there is no access to the gospel. There's little to no access. Three billion people are in unreached areas of our world. A a global population right now estimated at 7.75 billion people. That's 40% of the world without access to the gospel. So that helps frame things in perspective for our comforts as Westerners, right? But here is an incredible statistic. This comes from Radical.net, and they've synthesized this uh, from lots of data that 99% of missions activity takes place in areas that are already reached. So one, and that doesn't mean they're bad, so don't, not saying that, but 99% of missions activities are taking place in areas that are already reached, meaning that 1% of missions resources is going to the 3 billion people who don't know him, who've never heard That represents $47 billion that were given by churches to missions last year, of which 99% went to efforts to reach areas that are already reached. Not to say that there wasn't fruit, that churches weren't planted, and the great things, and we celebrate that, but that's a great disparity. There are estimated 400,000 global missionaries working cross-culturally from nation to other nations. And approximately only 3% of them are working to reach the 3 billion who are unreached. So here's why we're saying this. As a church, we are asking God to show us how to move the needle. Like we're asking God, and that's why we are increasing our support and engagement in India because there's so many unreached people groups there. And it's why we also as a missions team are saying, Lord, show us what's next. Show us the next area where we can engage and be involved as a church so that we can see your kingdom come and your will be done. John Piper says it like this. He has this quote. So you have three possibilities in world missions. You can be a goer, a sender, or disobedient. The Bible does not assume that everyone goes, but it does assume that the ones who do not go care about goers and support goers and pray for goers and hold the rope of the goers. And that's what we're called to do, church. And I believe, I truly believe with all of my heart that God is calling, not that he's going to call, that he is calling people from our church to go. And we as a church have to say, we want to be ready to send. I mean, we have families from our church who are moving to another community to plant a church in Freeport. And that's a piece of this because it's a here and a there. It's not here or there. It's here and there and everywhere. That's the gospel. It's good news for all. But he will specifically, I believe, call people from this church to uproot their lives and go. So we have to say as a church, we've got to be willing to put the resources there our praying resources, our going resources, and our giving resources to go to reach the people who need the gospel. Will we do it? 
Will we do it? And so I want to encourage you. You may, you may, God may call you. He may call you to leave. He may call you to go. And that's a great, beautiful, it may be hard, but it is a holy, beautiful thing. Some of you are military and you've never gotten to choose where you get to live and you're gonna retire. And for the first time in your life, you're gonna be like, we get to choose. We get to choose. I'm saying, make a strategic choice for the kingdom. Make a strategic choice for the kingdom because here's what's at stake. We have so many people lost. There are so many who do not know the gospel, who've never heard the name of Jesus. When we were in India, we asked someone in a village, do you, have you heard of Jesus? They're like, yeah, maybe he lives in the village next door. Like that's, that's people's kind, like never heard the name of Jesus. And it is a both and, it is a here and it is a there. Because people have wrong ideas about Jesus. People there and people here. And this seems overwhelming, and let me tell you, it will be overwhelming if we think it's up to us. But here's the next promise of this passage. What's the calling? Follow me. What's he gonna do? Make us become fishers of men. Where are we going? He's the way. Who makes us fishers of men? Jesus does the making. That may seem a little abstract or various, but Jesus does the making. He didn't say, follow me, now fish. He said, follow me, and I will make you become fishers. And follow me, become like me. Follow me, imitate me, and I'm going to work in you. And by my power and by my spirit working in you and through you, you will become fishers of men. Isn't that great freedom for us to rest in this morning that we know it's, it's not up to us, yet we're fully responsible and we want to because he's so great. But he's the one who's doing the making. He didn't just save us. He's also sanctifying us and changing us right now that is Jesus doing the work I will make you become fishers of men it's not up to us so we abide and we trust and we walk with him and he does the changing so what does all this mean it means this if we're Christians we as Christians if you're a Christian and you're in this room if you believe in Jesus you're called to go and tell if you're here this morning and you don't trust him, you know, you're, maybe the reason you're like, I'm still not sure about this is because you've seen Christians and you're like, I just don't see the difference in my life and theirs. And I say that you're probably right in some cases, but I want to tell you there's so many people who've given their life for this pursuit. And it's so good, so good to follow him and to know him. But as you know, with fishing, fishing relies on What? Bait, fish, you gotta have fish. All right, yeah, you win. All right, bait. So my question is, is what they're seeing in your life alluring at all? Is what they see in my life alluring at all? Is what they're seeing in my life reflective of the life of the Savior at all? Do I, do I parent my kids in a different way than anybody else? Do I spend my time any differently? Am I pursuing the same goals? Do I forgive? Or do I grow bitter, angry? It's like the world. Is there anything alluring in us? Jesus, do the making. His Christ in us is our hope of glory. 
Are you marked by love, grace, conviction, security, sacrifice, holiness, gentleness, fearlessness that all followers of Jesus would be marked by? So what's the call we follow? What does he do? He's making us fishers of men. Where? I don't know. Jesus. Where, Jesus? Where are we going, Jesus? And when? Immediately they followed. I just want to say, if you're here this morning and you don't believe, Jesus is saying, just trust me. Like, I've paid the price for your sin. You can do this immediately to say, okay, I trust you. I'm going to follow you. Christian, you're saying, well, I haven't followed. But guess what? His grace is sufficient. They followed immediately. They followed immediately. They just said, okay, Jesus, we're going to take you at your word. We're going to believe that you are who you say you are. And even though they didn't know this, but along the way, they were going to find out he actually was way different than who they thought he was going to be. He was actually better. He's worth it. So last question, why? Why do we follow? Because he is worth it all. Jesus is worth it all, right, church? He is worth it all. Who forgave your sin? Jesus. Who died on the cross? Who paid the price? Who was raised from the grave? Jesus who ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father right now, interceding for you and for me, Jesus. Who will return for his bride, Jesus. Whose name is great, Jesus. He is worth it all. He's worth it all. And so he's making us fishers of men. So uh, back in, the old, uh, in these time, Bible times, New Testament, they fished with nets, and I don't have a net so here's a fishing rod. You know this, right? I hope you did. <laughs> Lots of fishermen around this area. We have a fishing rod. It's got a lure. If I could just encourage us this morning, because I think this is what happens a lot of times in church. We get so churchy, right? And we're like, Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I will make you become fishers of men. And he gives us that. He puts the rod and reel in our hands and we're like, Okay, cool. I got the rod and reel. That's great. So here's what we're going to do, guys. My house, we're going to have a study. We're going to study the theory of fishing. If you come over once a week, we're going to have this Bible study about fishing. Now, we're not going to fish yet because that, that's for the professionals. Uh, we're just going to talk about fishing. We're going to talk about fishing we're going to talk, and, and if we get way, I mean, we, this may take a while, but we're just going to continue talking about it. And then, and then, you know, things get a little complicated, and there's some disagreement about fishing, so we make a committee about fishing. And this committee from the church is going to decide the right ways to fish and the wrong ways to fish. There's plenty of wrong ways to do it, right? We're going to talk about all the wrong ways to fish, and we're going to talk about fish, and that's going to take a while. We're just going to keep on talking about fishing and all the theory of fishing and ways you can fish. And if that committee can't do it, we're going to form another committee that's going to talk about why this committee can't get the job done. And we're going to talk about fishing. And we're going to talk about fishing some more. And then pastor is going to have like this special emphasis on fishing. We're going to have a, a whole like three-month deal about fishing. And we're going to talk about fishing every Sunday we're gathered together. And we're going to no, we're not going to do it. This microphone about to fish away. All right. We're not going to do it yet. We're just going to talk about it. And then we're actually going to bring in a, a guest speaker. And he's going to talk about fishing too. Because we really need to learn more about the theory of fishing before we fish. Because we want to get it right. 
And then there's actually some really important questions for us to settle before we fish. Before we fish, we really need to decide like what kind of music the fishermen should listen to because that's really important. And we're also going to talk about like what kind of music the fish would prefer. And we're also, we're also gonna, we need to settle some really important questions like if the fish takes the bait, did the fish choose the bait or did the bait choose the fish? That's gonna take us a while. We're like, well, we still hadn't settled everything. So, um, so here's what we're gonna do. We're just, maybe we should just try fishing. But we're, not everybody. Let's give the fishing rod to one person and we're all just gonna watch right? We're just going to watch that one person and, and then we're going to critique them because we've studied this a lot and we know the right, and we've never actually done it ourselves. But we know all the theory and we know all the hows you should and you should do this and you should try. Have you ever been fishing and not fished and just watched someone fish? Isn't it incredibly boring, Right? If you're going fishing, you want to catch something, right? You want to actually fish, not sit around and talk about fishing. Like, if you're going to take me fishing, don't be like, oh, actually, we're just, this is intro to fishing. We're going to have a three-week word study on the Greek word for fish. Make sure you got it right before you actually, like, put this in your, no, let's just fish. Listen, there's so many questions we're not going to know. But here's, you don't have to know the answer to everyone, every question. You don't have to know the answer to every objection to know that Jesus Christ raised you from the dead, to know that he forgave you of his sin, your sin, to know that he is the hope of the world. The church, are we going to be fishers of men or are we just gonna keep talking about it? We just gonna talk about it or are we gonna go? Are we gonna leverage our lives? Are we gonna look around us and see the opportunities that he's placed right in front of our faces? We're gonna look and see, look people in the eye like, you know this, you're gonna go out to eat this week and you're not gonna lock eyes with any person anywhere who isn't created by God to know him. There's not a people group in the world that God didn't form in his image. And he wants them to know him. And guess what he did? He said, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. People across the world are praying for hope. Hope has a name, his name is Jesus. And guess what he did? He said, church, go and make disciples. That's what we're called to do. Make disciples. Follow him. He will make us fishers of men. Isn't that a good trade? The call of God on you and me is to be a trader trade something so small, our dreams, our purpose, and our plans for something so big, his glory. In just a minute, uh, worship team's gonna come up and we're gonna sing, we're gonna just respond to the word. And I just wanna ask you, during this time as we sing, we're gonna sing this song, it says, Christ is enough, like, is he enough for you? And if he is, follow. Like, we're gonna follow him and we're not gonna turn back. We're gonna follow him and we're gonna say, Jesus, you are enough. You are sufficient. If you're here this morning and you wanna talk to someone, we'll be glad to meet you after service. You can text the word believe, the number that's on the screen and one of our pastors will follow up with you this week. Just love to have that conversation with you about what it means to follow him. But as we sing...
I just encourage you to pray, Lord, show me. Like, show me, direct me. Like, I've been trying to call the shots. I've been trying to find the way. Jesus, you're the way, and I'm just gonna say, let me follow you. Will you pray with me? Lord God, you are faithful. You're good. Your word's good. You sustain us. And so we just pray right now, Lord, help us. Help us to respond to your word and to be people who follow you. You're sufficient in all things. You're gracious in all things. You, your word says that you hold all things together. We thank you this morning. You're holding us together. So help us as your church, as your people to say, we trust you. We love you. You are worthy of it all. And we pray this in your great, faithful, saving name. Amen.